Welcome to Onco Farm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I am a professor of pharmacy practice here at the supporting sponsor of Onco Farm, ETSU's Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. It is the first Thursday of October, the 5th, 2023. Uh, apologies for no new episode last week. Was uh, was out of town the end of the week for uh, Cousin Allie's wedding. Wonderful time, a lot of travel, uh, so uh, a lot of prep to travel, so was not able to record anything new. Uh, and in looking back over some of the listening stats, uh, I noticed that um, uh, the uh, and Matt Nev episode from years ago had not received as much play as maybe it's worth for, um, you know, one of the, the biggest uh, game-changing drug we've had uh, in my lifetime. In uh, your lifetime, too, probably, maybe. Um, so, um, was able to, to push that out as a re-release. Probably do that um, a couple times a year going forward, uh, especially as we kind of have a lull in, uh, in new information coming out about oncology. Um, so, I don't have any new publications to talk about today, but we have a lot of press releases. There's a lot kind of going on, um, maybe a little under the surface. Um, seems to be that these press releases come out right around uh, the end of a financial or fiscal quarter. So uh, kind of go through some of these in, in chronological order. So on September 22nd, uh, press releases from whoever makes Pembro and Infortimab Vidotin about um, uh, that this study, Keynote A39, if you make uh, Pembro, or EV302 if you make Infortimab Vidotin, they each have to have their own name on it, right? Um, they have a, a study, first line, bladder cancer treatment, pembrolizumab, urethral cancer, pembrolizumab plus infortimab vidotin versus platinum-based chemotherapy with gemcitabine, first-line treatment. Uh, this did get an FDA approval based on accelerated an accelerated approval um, for those that were not um, platinum eligible. This is um, comparing pembro and infortimab vidotin versus platinum-based chemo with gemcitabine. Two primary endpoints progression-free survival, and overall survival. And the press release says it met both PFS and overall survival uh, and uh, and also a secondary endpoint response rate, okay? Uh, now you can find on clinicaltrials.gov a little bit about the design of the study. We can't see the statistical analysis plan to see how much uh, alpha they devoted to PFS and to overall survival, but we do know that Pembro could be given for two years and Fortimab Vidotin until disease progression so almost indefinite uh, infortimab vidotin, and then two years of Pembro, versus gemcitabine and platinum-based chemo. Could be cis, could be carbo. You could be enrolled on this study whether or not you are a cisplatin eligible or ineligible patient. Presumably, if you're cisplatin eligible, uh, you get cisplatin. Uh, it looked to be on clinicaltrials.gov that the um, inclusion criteria just said cis-eligible per local physician. Um, usually there are a little bit higher standards in these bladder cancer studies about adequate hearing, uh, creatinine clearance of, of above 50 or above 60, performance status, things like that. So there may have been some folks who got maybe an inferior inferior drug in carboplatin than cisplatin. That's one potential issue with the study design. The other huge potential issue is that the patients who were randomized to gemcitabine and, and platinum did not get evalumab maintenance, which we know has overall survival benefit based off of the Javelin Bladder 100 study. That study was presented at ASCO in June 2020, published in New England Journal Medicine in September of 2020. This study uh, started in March 30th of 2020, so just before those results came out. They could have gone back and changed it to allow these folks to have um, uh, evalumab um, maintenance. Um, 
Now, so that's that's a huge issue, right? The again, we see this over and over again: is the control arm does not get center of care. The the other potential issue is you're looking at, and that's going to of course affect potentially PFS as well as overall survival. As is the availability of second line immunotherapy for those folks on the platinum arm. Uh, the other thing, if you're looking at PFS, which is a, a time-to-event standpoint, and usually there will be a progression event before a death event. Well, if you're getting six cycles of chemo compared to indefinite Pembro and Fortimabvidotin, you might have an earlier progression because you're getting less treatment. You know, if the median PFS ends up being eight months with platinum chemo and 12 months with Pembro and Fortimabvidotin, that kind of fits where you're going to have disease progression a couple months after you stop your platinum-based chemo. That would seem to make sense, and that's okay in a disease that you're going to have a couple progression events over the natural history of disease if they have access to adequate second-line treatment that might mitigate or make up for any, um, any detriment in overall survival. Of course, we'll have to wait for the publication of this uh, or presentation at a national meeting. Uh, it was, um, you know, these positive results released um, into the press uh, just before the end of the fiscal quarter, it appears. Um, so, you know, it's got an overall survival prevent. People are going to flock to it. Maybe it makes, you know, makes sense for those who are platinum ineligible, but gosh, if you can get carbo and gemcitabine and then a value map, I don't, and then you have in four time Vidotin after that. Just because you're jumping lines of therapy doesn't mean you're going to actually improve uh, the treatment of this disease. So I have uh, a lot of questions about whether or not we can interpret anything about the overall survival results. We'll wait to see the publication, of course, for final um, uh, assessment. Okay, uh, we have also September 22nd, busy day, 922, uh, translocation 922 day. Um, so uh, nivolumab makes the news press release of improvement in event-free survival with nivolumab in the new adjuvant setting uh, with chemo followed by adjuvant nivolumab uh, beats just new adjuvant chemo. Sounds familiar, right? This is very similar to the Checkmate 816 study. What's different about this? Um, Checkmate 816 were patients with non-small cell lung cancer stages 1B to 3A. This is 2A to 3B, so a little bit more advanced disease. Uh, the primary endpoint here is event-free survival, whereas in Checkmate 816, there were co-primary endpoints, pathologic complete response rate, which was better, and event-free survival uh, as well. So this is a similar study, but a little bit more of advanced disease population. I think most of us would say we're probably not wanting to do neoadjuvant chemo for stage 1B patients. Do the surgery uh, first in those folks. Um, we have a, a new-ish drug, well, a new drug, drug I'd never heard of, uh, Datopotamab, Deruxtecan. Uh, we have a press release, significant, statistically significant and clinically meaningful uh, PFS benefit uh, in breast cancer patients. Now, uh, Datopotamab, Deruxtecan is a trope 2 topoisomerase 1 antibody drug conjugate, very similar to Sacatuzumab govotecan, which initially was approved for triple negative breast cancer and then for hormone positive HER2 negative breast cancer. Um, in, in the past uh, a year or two. So this approval, or not this sorry, not approval, I guess I'm getting ahead of what the FDA, I guess, will do. Uh, Datopotamab Deruxtecan, uh, according to the press release, improved PFS in patients with HER2 positive, HER2 low, or HER2 negative um, breast cancer, which is another way of saying HER2 positive, HER2 negative in, in the old school of thinking. 
Um, now, it's a little confusing when they put HER2 low in the press release because this is not a HER2 targeting drug. It's a trope 2 targeting drug, which is uh, a transmembrane glycoprotein on many of these breast cancer cells. Um, and as a reminder, uh, traditionally the way you classified HER2 positivity was by immunohistochemistry, uh, a staining uh, from 0 to 3, where 3 is positive, 2 was borderline, um, and if you were 2, IHC 2 plus, and you had in situ hybridization positivity, we called that HER2 positive. HER2 low is IHC 1 positive with positive in situ hybridization, uh, and then uh, also IHC 2 positive without in situ hybridization. Those are the criteria for HER2 low. Um, expect to see more of this presented at a national meeting. Another drug. Are there any, you know, any differences compared to uh, datapotamab drugstican to sacatizumab gobatecan? they're probably never gonna be compared head to head. So you're looking potentially once this is approved at, at the label at toxicity rates, you're looking at ease of administration and cost as well. Uh, particularly, I'd be inter interested in the interstitial lung disease rates uh, with this drug. All right, uh, we have a, um, you know, one bit of news in our targeted therapy for non-small cell lung cancer, for sure, and maybe another one in the works. So um, the drug Mobocertinib, Excivity, uh, is being taken off the market voluntarily uh, based on talks between the, uh, the drug company and FDA. Uh, Mobocertinib is for exon 20 insertion mutation positive non-small cell lung cancer, EGF, EGFR exon 20 insertions. Um, those mutations. Now, Mobocertinib was approved some years ago based on a single arm phase two study in patients who'd received platinum-based chemotherapy and or immunotherapy and progressed and had a, a, an objective response rate overall of 28%. Modest, modest, okay? Might even call it small in today's world of target therapy, but modest historically in the grand scheme of, of cytotoxic chemo for, you know, second line and beyond non-small cell lung cancer. Uh, so that got a, the accelerated approval, and the sponsors decided to, um, for their confirmatory study, uh, instead of confirming um, mobocertinib versus, say, docetaxel in the second-line setting, they compared it to platinum-based chemotherapy in the first-line setting. It did not meet its primary endpoint, according to this uh, press release. Uh, this primary endpoint, uh, according to clinicaltrials.gov, was progression-free survival, not even overall survival, progression-free survival. Uh, coming off the market, those patients that are already on mobocertinib and, and benefiting, I'm sure, will still be able to get access to this. But um, mobocertinib, uh, going to go bye-bye. Uh, we may also have some news coming uh, later today about, uh, I call it Satorosib, but from watching uh, the ODAC, uh, the FDA ODAC Advisory Committee, that's the AC, so the OD Advisory Committee, Oncology Drug Advisory Committee, um, they're reviewing the application for uh, Satorosib, which was approved based on accelerated, an accelerated approval based on response rate in KRS G12C mutated non-small cell lung cancer. This is the confirmatory study versus DOSATAX, the code break 200 study, which I've talked about on this podcast. Shows a statistically significant improvement in progression-free survival, uh, but no improvement in overall survival. In fact, numerically more deaths in the satorcid group or sotorasib group compared to DOSATAXL. FDA is presenting their review of code break 200, and they uh, have mentioned in their slides, which you can find on, on their website, that uh, some some concerning things, uh, one being that the, um, the local investigator PFS was higher for 
uh, compared to the blinded central review. Um, so they uh, they asked, they let the people who did the imaging at the blinded central view know that hey, we're seeing more progression events for docetaxel than you are, or we're seeing less for satorosib than you are. And then the central group went back and looked at it, which uh, FDA says is a no-no. Uh, there was a high dropout rate in docetaxel group, uh, possibly because people wanted you know the latest and greatest KRAS-12 inhibitor. Um, so FDA's presenting their evidence. ODAC's going to vote, and then eventually it's going to go to FDA. Um, the certainly is a possibility that this will not, even though there was a statistically significant improvement in PFS in the publication, um, uh, certainly seems as if Satorosib's approval and continued approval and availability um, for lung cancer may be in trouble. Um, now that, that meeting is going on right now. We've got meetings later today, so can't wait to see uh, how ODAG votes. And even if, depending on, you know, how they vote doesn't mean FDA will follow uh, their approval. So Lots going on still, even though we don't have publications. Um, and I, I, I guess I, guess I kind of want to highlight from this the the lack of, or maybe not the lack, but the inherent um, uncertainty in dealing with drugs that are approved based off just a hundred people, and how um, you know that when they change the guidelines, for example, because there's a new drug approved. Those guidelines we should we should have in pencil, not in ink. They should be in dotted lines uh, on the algorithms, not solid black lines, because there is a lot of uncertainty, and I think we all need to to do a better job in oncology of recognizing the uncertainty we have. Um, just because we have uh, you know an option doesn't mean that we need to uh, you know hang our hat on that drug going forward without the the requisite uh, confirmatory studies. So that is what we have today in Oncofarm World. We will be back, or I'll be back next week, hopefully, to talk about something else uh, exciting. Hopefully, we'll have some new information. Uh, you can follow me on the app, formerly known as Twitter, at FarmDeetNib. You can follow the podcast at Pod on X, Instagram, threads. Uh, and until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter. Mm-hmm.